For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. 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 we underway i'm hoping so it is birds 365 not a mac and mac affair today a partial mac and mac affair because john mcmullen's gonna hop on in about 20 minutes uh he will be winging his way over to Novacare complex to catch out the eagles uh ota so in his stead we got our buddy jeff jeff kerr we've had on as a guest a bunch of times but he hasn't sat in the co-host chair in a while jk yeah uh, how'd your summer been uh been pretty good jody but i'll tell you what my summer is actually going to start probably in about a week or so. I'm going to Vegas. Uh, I've got a couple trips planned. Uh, going to Canton Pro Football Hall of Fame. Going to Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame. Like to do that every year. So I'm waiting for that six week lull before we start the NFL season. Get things really going. But this is going to be an exciting Eagle season for sure. Today, as a matter of fact, is day 100. We count down the days until the first Eagle game of the season. That would be September 12th. Uh, so we're 100 days out that six week period you're talking about right there in the middle. You go to Cooperstown every year. Did you say every year? So I decided to make a, a tradition to go to a different Hall of Fame every year, but I love Cooperstown so much. And I was only there for a day last year. So I decided to make it okay. You know, what? I'll go every year and see what I can miss or, or, or I can't miss, I, I guess I could say, because. You know, I've never been to a lake out there. There's, a, I like to go golfing out there. So, Ooh. yeah, um, I, I tried to make it like a weekend. But last year was the first year I've been to Cooper Sound ever. So I had to go back. I'm, I'm a baseball junkie. Okay. All right. I was going to say I've been, but I haven't been in 20 years. So I'm doing a trip up there. Good for you. Have a good time. All right. We're going to keep baseball to the side today. We're going to talk about football. I haven't had a chance to talk a couple specific Eagle things with you since last you were on. I, did we have you on post the James Bradbury signing? 
You know what? I'm trying to remember if you guys did or not. I was on last week, but yeah, I had to be okay. on. Okay, all right. So if you were on last week, then uh, you got a chance to talk about it. I uh, know you covered the entire NFC East for CBS with a lean toward Philadelphia. How badly is James Bradbury going to be missed by the Giants because they got themselves in a bad cap position, so they had to just flat out release a guy who is still an above-average cornerback uh, in the NFL as far as I am? How much of a price are the Giants going to pay for their cap management? So this is a funny story. My boss at CBS is actually a huge Giants fan. And the minute he signed with the Eagles, he just goes, Gellman. So it, basically, they blame everything on Dave Gellman right now, as well they should. And I think they kind of knew James Bradbury was going to be gone. I think they were hoping to trade him, but obviously that didn't work out. And he made a joke after Bradbury was cut. He goes, watch him sign with the Eagles or something like that. You know, Eagles or Cowboys. and Sign with the Eagles and the Giants right now. Dave Geldman has made so many messes with that franchise, you know, putting them in, you know, cap purgatory. I, I'll say the other one, but, you know, we're, we're streaming. So, but it, either way, they've had to make a lot of decisions they didn't want to make. And James Bradbury's one of them. And Bradbury was a good corner for them. Uh, in 2020, he was a Pro Bowler, obviously. Looked like a heck of a signing for him, you know, the three years, 45 million. And then all of a sudden, he was not that he was terrible last year. He was better than Steven Nelson, but he wasn't living up to the contract. So I, I think that last year, you know, James Bradbury didn't want to leave, but overall, the Giants just made a lot of bad roster decisions with Nate Solder, James Bradbury, a lot of bad free agent signs, and it's come back to bite them, and they had to get rid of him. And that's to the Eagles' benefit that they were able to uh, scoop him up for what I thought was. Market value, not overpay, no certain hometown discount, but they paid market value at them. They had the cap flexibility to do it. Now they got as good a corner tandem, and I uh, don't want to shortchange Bunte Maddox. You could say threesome if you so desire, if you want to count in the uh, slot corner. I think there is in the National Football League. I actually think that's become very much a strength for the Eagles. One of the positions that might not be a strength, and Johnny Mack, as I said, is going to join us coming up less than uh, 15 minutes from now because uh, he's heading over to OTAs the first time this week. The Eagles will make practice available to members of the media. Uh, one of the positions that everyone will be zeroing in on is safety. It's not true practices. They're not going 11 and 11. You're going to be just catching drills and the like. But the safety position is a position of question for the Eagles coming in. How do you look at the guys? Johnny Mack has been leaning toward uh, we, we might be questioning Marcus Epps because he wasn't a starter last year and Anthony Harris was, but he actually thinks Epps may be the most entrenched of the safeties. The young guys, the Andre Sacheres and the Jared Maidens, uh, are these the guys who are going to be playing safety for the Eagles? Or do you think there's a still a move up Howie Roseman's sleeve? So I think I'm a big mullen on this. I think Marcus Epps is going to start. I really do. Um, he was very underrated last year in that defense. And I know he was more of the third safety, but I like him because he can line up in the box. And when I was looking up his numbers overall, and I know this is a small sample size, 44 targets, but for safety, that's kind of average for a third safety. And he performed, uh, you know, only allowed 56% of his the passes to be caught when he was a primary defender, had more interceptions than touchdowns given up, low passer rating against, and, I was kind of shocked Marcus Epps saw that because I wrote a story on him a couple days ago and he retweeted it. And I think, you know, not like he's buying into the hype, but 
I think the a lot of players in the Eagles secondary are because Darius Slay has said some good things about him. Anthony Harris has said some good things about him. I think this is a guy that the Eagles, they took a chance on when they got rid of Andrew Sandeo, and it's paid off for him. And I think a lot of Eagles fans may be skeptical because he was the guy who covered DK Metcalf in that playoff game, that third and long that Russell Wilson threw up, and Metcalf made, made the catch to seal the game. But I was like, why is Marcus Epps on DK Metcalf in the first place? So, you know, Marcus Epps has been pretty, pretty good since really covering DK Metcalf in there. He's been slowly getting better every year. But you're right, Jerry. I, I, I have to agree with McMullen here. I think it's Marcus Epps, Anthony Harris. I think they're going to start. And then maybe Kayvon Wallace and Andre Saturday. But, after, but there could be some improvements to be made there. Let's look at the fact that the calendar flipped over yesterday to June 1st. It's still got an importance in the NFL. Not as much as it used to. You used to have to hold on to a player till June 1st to cut him to get the after June 1st designation. A couple of years ago, the NFL put in that you could release a player whenever you wanted and designate him as after June 1st so you could spread the dead cap hit over two years. So it's not as big a day as it used to be. And it's also not as big an availability day because of that uh, designation. I just spoke. I think there was one player cut around the National Football League yesterday, and it wasn't a real big name uh, backup tight end in Tennessee. It used to be the second wave of free agency started on June 1st. The second wave of free agency was one player yesterday. Uh, so if, if you're holding out hope, you're an old school guy. Oh, when free, the second wave of free agency hits, that's when the Eagles going to upgrade at safety. Didn't happen yesterday. Do you expect anything more along those lines as far as cuts go to happen rest of this week? You know what, Jody? So yesterday, I think I wrote more retirement stories yesterday than I ever did. Uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick retired, Frank Gore retired, Stephen Toot retired. There are a lot of guys that have retired this past week, so maybe that's what June 1st has come to be in the NFL now. But Retirement day, huh? Yeah, retirement day. But it, it, it's fun writing about you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and our last memory of him was shirtless in a playoff game at Buffalo. That, I mean, that's legendary stats right there. But yeah, overall, it's the only safety that seems to be rumored in anything is Chuck Clark, and the Ravens have said, I'm in and time out. No, we are not training this guy. We don't have a role in the, in our defense for him yet, but they don't have a role for anybody, according to Mike McDonald. So I don't think the Ravens are training Clark, Chuck Clark. I think they're low. I mean, they just signed Kyle Fuller. But, yeah, I don't think we're going to see this big June 1st wave anymore. I, I think the last time – the next time we're going to see free agent signings it's going to be – remember when we were counting down the days since Steven Nelson signing or where was he going to go right before training camp? That's when you're going to see signings again because if you're a player, why would you sign right now? Why would you be under contract? You can be a free agent. You can bide your time. And Look, I think guys like Xavier Rhodes are going to sign right before free agency, guys like that. Maybe there will be a trade or two in August. But overall, I don't think we're going to see much of anything, at least in terms of player movement over the next couple of weeks. JK, the other position that we've been debating over the last couple of weeks here on Burns 365 has been the right guard position for the Eagles. Um, Isaac Sayamalo on most people's depth charts is the guy who's penciled in there. Uh, Jack Driscoll is a guy who filled in at that position last year after Brandon Brooks went down and did a pretty good job. But he, too, like Isaac, ended up being hurt. They used a second-round pick on Cam Jurgens, 
who everyone expects to be the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey at center, but Jason is still snapping the ball to Jalen Hurts this year. So does Cam Jurgens, kind of like Dickerson last year, find his way onto the offensive line by moving away from center rather than staying there? Um, of those three guys or anyone else, uh, if you want to put into the mix for right guard for the Eagles, who's going to end up taking most snaps there this year? I, You know what, Jody? This is kind of shocking. I think Driscoll is a better right guard than Sayamalu right now because Sayamalu is better up, you know, next to Jordan Malai. He's better at left guard, but they have a left guard and they have a center. I think Isaac Sayamalu is going to get every opportunity to win that job, but Last year was contract. You don't have to restructure it. You can free up a lot of cap space. I think it's like five or six million, something like that. I wouldn't be shocked if Isaac Samal was cut from this football team. I, I'm not saying he will be because I think he deserves at, at least to be the front runner based on his contract and based on his performance. But he's been injured a lot the last two years. And mm-hmm. if Jack Driscoll's a guy who they like at right guard, and Driscoll's been hurt too, but – they like him at right guard, and I think he's a better fit there. And I know he's insurance to tackle. I think Driscoll can get can get that job. And I think Cam Jurgens, I know they want to move him around, but I think ultimately he's going to be the heir apparent to Kelsey. So I think he's going to learn the center position this year. In my Madden world, in every opportunity I would get to make Isaac Samal the starter, I do it. But if Jack Driscoll outplays him this preseason. Jack Driscoll's going to get that job. And I think Isaac Samalo, he's going to start in the NFL somewhere. It just may not be right guard for the Philadelphia Eagles. It may be left guard somewhere else. This has been my position now for a couple of weeks. hasn't changed. Um, if Isaac is right, if Isaac is on his game and is healthy, I think he's going to be here, and I think he's going to be the right guard of the Eagles. I think Howie Roseman will keep his finger on the pulse of the trade market in the National Football League. If he is wowed or blown away with an offer, then I think the Eagles will be willing to trade Isaac Sayamalu, but I don't think they'll just do it for the sake of moving him off the roster and or starting the future because Driscoll is younger and is going to be here longer than Isaac Sayamalu is. I think it'll have to be a very advantageous trade for the Eagles to deal him. Otherwise, I don't think they're going to do that. And a maybe tertiary reason that I don't think Driscoll's going to start here at right guard is, and I I almost don't want to say it, but the, the Eagles offensive line, as good as it's been, and it's been several years running that they've been a top one, two, three, four, five offensive line, depending on guys getting hurt and the like. Um, they've got the talent to be the best offensive line in the National Football League. Part of the issue has always been injuries, and Lane Johnson has been part of that mix and that he's not always hurt. He's not as hurt as Isaac, but he's a guy who has missed games for varying reasons along the Eagle offensive line. If you want to keep the safety net behind uh, Lane Johnson, then you don't pencil Driscoll in as your right guard because he, to me, is the unquestioned best choice at right tackle. And I know previously they've moved my lotta from left side to right side and plug Dillard in, that to me is a mistake. Mylotta is so good at left tackle. The combination of Dickerson and Mylotta is so good. I don't want to break that up for any period of time. One game, three games, six games, eight games. No, I want to keep Mylotta on the left-hand side. Sorry to you, Andre Dillard fans, which means keeping Andre nailed to the bench. Uh, but that would be my preference. I want to see Driscoll as the backup right tackle if Isaac starts at right guard and goes down, guess what? Driscoll, you're into the lineup. 
but I would I would hope that they could avoid putting Driscoll in as the starting right guard because I think they've got more uses for him. Well, that's the thing, too. And I'm thinking Isaac Sayamalo here, if the Eagles were willing to trade him. If you're Howie Rosen, you're saying, look, this is a starting caliber left guard. Not just a, st- a starting caliber left guard. This is a guy who can make a Pro Bowl. That's one thing I like about Isaac Sayamalo. It's just a shame that you drafted Landon Dickerson so high and he's played so well because you thought maybe he was going to be the right guard or the center, but obviously Jason Kelsey left, Brandon Brooks retired, so now there's an opening, and I just don't think they want to move him over. I think that that's where the whole conundrum is. Now, this is what will be surprising today in OTAs if McMullen tells us, oh, look who's that right guard. It's Landon Dickerson. Isaac Simbaugh's the left guard, and I guess this is all for naught, but I just don't see him doing that. I'm like you. I, I don't think they should break up the Mulata-Dickerson pairing, but Again, Milano has no problem moving over the right side. So he can do that if Lane Johnson were to get hurt. And then that's where Andre Dillard's value comes in. But here's one I want to present to you, Jody. Who is on this team week one? Andre Dillard or Isaac Sayamala? I think they'll both be here. I think so, too. I, yeah. I, I honestly do. If Jack Driscoll is B.I. Isaac Sayamala, I think they're both here. And the Eagles just have a loaded offensive line. Right. And uh, as I said in running down why I think the right tackle should be, the right guard should be where the right guard. I think Howie's going to be out there uh, listening to offers for both guys. If someone blows him away for Sayamalo, I think he trades him. If someone gives him a fair offer for Andre Dillon, I think he trades him. Uh, I don't think it's lack of desire on the Eagles' part. I think they're open to trading either of the two guys. But now he also likes to, quote, unquote, win the trades. So he's not going to give them away for less than what uh, Jeff Kerr would think the value is on the open market. I think he'll hold tight. And that means that I think both guys could be here uh, when the season opens, even though both of them uh, could be on the bench. All right, Jeff Kerr's in for John McMullen. That won't keep us from punching up John McMullen. Johnny Mack will be heading over to Eagles OTAs. And we got to let him get on the road but not before we get his thoughts. He's up next with us here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Football Friday here on Birds 365. Jordy Mack, along with Jeff Kerr, along with John McMullen, who's getting ready to head over to Eagles OTAs. Uh, Jay Mack, what what time did you get the alert that you were going to be allowed on the premises today, yesterday? No, I was during the show yesterday, Jody. That's why I was scrambling to get uh, our buddy Jeff Kerr in. As a... McMullen, why be seeing you tomorrow at uh, the Bonta Smith softball game? That's a little bit too far for me, Jeff. Where, where, where is that? Allentown? Yeah, Allentown. Yeah, that's that's a that's quite the track. I got I got to recharge the batteries. You can just about make it a car tomorrow too. Yeah, I used to go to Carson's game when it was here. I mean, you know, when it was at Citizens Bank uh, Park. Um, so come on, Demonte, get that at the at the bank, and then I'll be there. A little closer to home would be nice. All right, but you are going over to. Uh, <laughs> The uh, Eagles work out today, which is only a short drive for us over here in South Jersey. Uh, how long do you think you're putting in? Uh, it's going to be a long day. We got uh, Shane Stop Spectin. it. Why do you even say that? Uh, uh, you know, 10.30. That practice is at 12.55. Uh, so, you know, we're going to have gun violence awareness shirts. If everybody saw, the Eagles are going to be wearing orange uh, nice. this morning. Uh, so that's going to be exciting for fans to see them in that. They're going to auction those off. Um, yeah, 90 minutes basically on the field is is what I assume. And uh, it is what it is. You and I have talked about this a lot, Jody. I mean, it's not what it once was, but it's exciting for fans, I think, finally to get to see um, A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean and all James Bradbury, all these uh, additions in the offseason we've been talking about. You know, we've had rookie camps, so you got a little bit of Davis, got a little bit of Nicobe and the other rookies, but, um, you know, the veteran additions, it's the first time to see him on the field. So it's sort of a, a big day from that standpoint. Yeah, John. So one thing I'm looking at with this team, and we were just talking about this for the break. The whole Jack Driscoll, Isaac Sayamalo, right guard conundrum. Do you think we could possibly see Isaac Sayamalo at right guard today? Well, they're not doing team drills, so it depends what you – I mean, when they do individuals, yeah, he'll be lined up at right guard. Um, 
working, you know, as what the Eagles do is sort of work on combination blocks a lot uh, during their individual drills. Uh, something Jeff Statlin always stresses. So that'll start today. Yeah, I mean, he'll be the default setting at right guard. Um, he'll be the starter. Very similar to, you know, TJ Edwards at, at linebacker. Like, if people expect Nicobe Dean to be starting middle linebacker today, that's not how it works. You got to earn the job, so to speak. So they'll default to all the veterans. In the case of Isaac, he's been here longer than Jack Driscoll. He'll be given the opportunity. He'll get the first snaps at, 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 or the first reps at, at, at right guard. Um, I don't think it means that much on the first day, but that's how the Eagles will start it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I saw, I heard you guys before the break. I mean, rarely does Howie Roseman emphatically state something because he likes to leave the door open. Landon Dickerson didn't go anywhere. He's playing left guard, period, end of sentence. That's, that's it. So it's who's the right guard. And I do think it's probably one of the legitimate competitions on this team. One of the good news about the Eagles, they don't have a lot of a legitimate competition at starters because most of the guys are entrenched. On on offense, you're talking about right guard, and that's it. And and maybe you could argue somebody can push Quez Watkins, but you know, probably that's probably pie in the sky. Then you start talking about tight end two. You know, as far as starters, everybody's pretty pretty entrenched. Agreed, and I think you're dead on about your point about uh, the veterans get the benefit of the doubt when camp opens up. All we have to do is look back to last year when Andre Dillard was getting first team reps <laughs> yeah. over Jordan Mailata because he was here. It was he had been playing; he had played more reps up until that point than Jordan Mailata did, and then the, what? happens on the field happens and the Eagles uh, coaching staff makes the decision on who the best player is and is showing the most not going to get a chance to show most in these drills slash seven on sevens when they come down Johnny Mac but one of the things you can see is competition between receivers and cornerbacks Eagles have a new wide receiver one and that's AJ Brown they got a new cornerback two in James Bradbury, but that means a wide receiver one against cornerback one, Darius Slay against A.J. Brown. How highly contested will that be in these sessions here early on? Well, it's always, you know, Slay is very competitive and he likes to have fun and he likes to talk. So from that standpoint, but, you know, I feel bad for corners in in uh, seven on sevens. I mean, that's designed for the offense to succeed you better succeed uh, in seven on sevens that's where sam bradford got put in the hall of fame because he was you know the best <laughs> seven on seven yeah best seven on seven quarterback of all time the most accurate quarter you've heard all the stories ball never hits the ground never did it's true the guy was amazingly accurate but obviously it's designed same thing I feel bad for the offensive tackles in in one on one drills and one on one pass rushing drills, designed for the defense. I mean, if 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 that meant anything, uh, Joe Osman would be the star in Philadelphia right now, not Jordan Mailata, because he used to beat Jordan like a drum every stinking day, uh, and Jordan gives him a lot of credit for his development as a player. But certain drills are designed to to be easier for 
offense, defense, vice versa, seven on sevens, you know, 90% completion rate is probably pretty bad. (laughs) So, John, one thing I wanted to ask you was, and I was thinking about this the other day, and I got to give credit to my buddy Mike Gill for bringing this up. Where do you think, or how do you think they're going to use Hassan Reddick? Are are they going to put his hand in the dirt? Are they going to line him up at linebacker? I I feel like there's about three or four different ways you can use him in this defense. Yeah, I mean, he's going to do both. But uh, Jonathan Gannon calls it an overhang player. Uh, You're going to see a lot of five-man fronts. Uh, You're going to see a lot of uh, him on the line of scrimmage standing up as a Sam linebacker. Um, Then when it's, you know, third and 10, third and 13, he's probably going to put his hand in the ground and probably become a, a true what fans would think of as a defensive end. And that's why I don't like that. I think that terminology is a little bit outdated. That's why I like to use edge rusher all the time. It's an edge rusher. He's going after the quarterback. Anybody worried about, you know, him dropping in the coverage, he'll do it occasionally if you're trying to fool the quarterback. But anybody worried about him doing it consistently, they're not paying a coverage linebacker $15 million. This is, this is the Philadelphia Eagles. They're paying him to go get the quarterback. Uh, and that's what he's going to do. And they haven't had an edge rusher like this who's, you know, double-digit sacks for the past two seasons. Jeff, you probably know better than me. I think you got to go back to Fletcher um, for a double-digit sack guy. And I think you got to go back to Connor Barwin for an edge rusher that got over 10 sacks. That's a long time. So they haven't had this type of player for a while. Johnny Mac, you mentioned uh, he could drop in a coverage once every blue moon just to surprise the other team, confuse the other team's quarterback. Jonathan Gannon would uh, talk about that relatively frequently last year, not a ton, but enough um, that you knew that he want, he hoped uh, to have the ability to do that with the guys that he had in the scheme that he had. Between you and I, I don't think he did much of that last year. He talked about it more than he actually did it. And I think part of it was he didn't have the right pieces to be able to do something like that. They have upgraded the pieces on the defense. How do you think Gannon will go about surprising other teams' quarterbacks? Yeah, I, I, you know, you're right. He did talk about it more than he did it, Jody, last year. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with um, not having – um, obviously, the the players that can do it. Interestingly, I think you know their one weakness kind of limits them in that regard because typically when you you throw all these crazy looks at quarterbacks, it's got to be with the safeties. They got to be able to do both. They got to be able to be interchangeable. They got to be able to move in the box and 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 right before the snap. Uh, uh, run out and, and get into cover two, cover three, whatever, or vice versa. That's why I always bring up Harrison Smith. I always bring up Harrison Smith for two reasons. One, because Jonathan Gannon always brings up Harrison Smith. And two, because he's a really good player. And he's that guy, if you ever watch his film, he'll be you know, in the box and all of a sudden right before the snap, he'll race out and he's got the ability to do it. I don't think the Eagles have that player. Uh, In fact, I know they don't have that player. Um, Until they get that type of player, 
I don't know how crazy they can get. Um, but the corners at least allow them to do a little bit more when it comes to press coverage. And in theory, you would think that would stop the easy completions that were such a problem last year when you had the 80%, 90% completion percentages, which were like seven on seven drills. One of the reasons why is they were giving up these really easy completions underneath because they wanted to limit big plays, which they did. You got to give them credit for that for the most part, but they gave up whatever you wanted underneath. And if you're, you're comfortable with that. And if you're confident in yourself and you know, you're not going to make mistakes, you can just go down the field. Bink, 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 bink. Who cares if it takes 15 plays to score? Now the mentality, the defensive mentality is, this is an over-legislated league. Somebody's going to throw a flag at some point. Second and five is going to turn into second and 15. You're going to get off the field. That's sort of the thought process from that perspective. Too often that didn't happen, obviously, for the Eagles. John, one thing I always wanted to take notice on in, in OTAs, and I used to write about this a lot when I was writing about the Eagles for 24-7 sports. A lot of people always wanted to know how not not so how the bubble guys were doing, but guys that were former high draft picks and they just kind of fell out of favor. And Eagles got two of them right now. They got Jalen Rager and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Uh, what are you expecting, like, body language-wise or just basically anything from those two over the weekend? Well, I I think, you know, I've said all the time, I think Jalen gets a bad rap uh, for um, not – trying or whatever you want to call it. People say doesn't work hard. I, I don't think that's the issue with Jalen Rager. I think the issue has been confidence and he's just lost his confidence. And that's big for a professional player. And we've seen in many sports um, guys go south. And I, I think that's where Jalen Rager is. Same thing with JJ. I've never seen lack of effort, just lack of separation, lack of being able to catch the football consistently. But, you know, as far as body language, they've never been, you know, poor body language guys to me. They've just been underachieving players. In the case of, you know, Jalen Rager to me is more interesting. First of all, he's going through some stuff off the field again after Jeff Gladney got uh, killed, unfortunately, in the car accident. Good friend of his. So, you know, first we're going to see if Jalen's even there. He has been there at, at OTAs. Um, I don't know if if that tragedy sort of changed things and he went home. Um, I don't know. We'll get to see that. Um, as far as JJ, I mean, he's moving to tight end. That's that's a long shot. But the Eagles need a backup tight end. As good as Dallas Goddard is. I don't think they're comfortable going into the season with Jack Stoll as a backup. And you can say, well, Grant Calcaterra, he's a six-round pick. I mean, I wouldn't count on him. Um, so this opens up thing. We don't know when Tyree Jackson's going to be healthy. Um, so, you know, Richard Rodgers is there. Uh, Noah, Noah, Noah Tagai's there, as, and, and J.J.'s there. They all have an opportunity. And, and same, you know, Getting back to wide receiver, I'm going to be interested to see if if Nick Sirianni gives not only Jalen but 
uh, Zach Pascal a chance to, you know, push Quez Watkins because, um, look, I, I don't think he should be handed that job, and I think too many people are are handing him that job, and especially when you consider he's not really a slot receiver, so you can you can put Devonte Smith in the slot. And he could do it because he's a tremendous route runner. But also, you know, do you want him in the slot all the time? I don't know. Maybe you could utilize him uh, a little bit better outside because he's so talented. Um, Zach Pascal, who Nick Sirianni loves, and, you know, Jody got him blocked for me. <laughs> but I don't, I don't have a lot of – but he's a slot receiver. He's a bigger slot receiver. And at least you know he's going to be where he's supposed to be, run the routes and and do all the stuff and do all the stuff that Nick Sirianni loves. Um, I don't know. I think people have handed Quez Watkins this job. I don't think he deserves to be handed the job, number one. He's not A.J. Brown. He's not Devontae Smith. I think he deserves to be pushed. And if he wins, great. If he doesn't win, and that's maybe where Jalen Rager has an open door because he's got significant talent if he can fix these competence issues. Who do I think is the Eagles' best slot wide receiver on the roster right now? Devontae Smith. Yeah. But I don't necessarily want to move Devontae Smith inside because he's their second best outside receiver and he may be their best outside receiver at some point during the season. And one of the things he did, as well as I've seen a rookie do in a long time, was the toe-tapping on the outside. He has just tremendous awareness of the field and when to get his feet down. You don't have to worry about that with the slot receiver. So uh, I don't want to see Devontae moved inside any more than you do, Johnny Mac. All right, uh, when you head over today, are you expecting 90 for 90? Are all Eagle players going to no. be in attendance? He's, he's I'm, not. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not expecting 90 for 90, but I am expecting 85 plus. Uh, there's always, like I just brought up Jalen. I don't know if Jalen decided to go home or um, I, I, there's always some kind of personal issue. Um, you know, somebody might have a, a wife or girlfriend that's pregnant. You know, there, there's always something, you know, maybe they're closing on a house. There's always, uh, something and and guys will come in and out so they might be there on on you know monday and tuesday and not be there on a thursday because they got you know excused and said go take care of this and blah 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 but the eagles are very close to 100 percent as a whole for these otas if that makes sense but on on individual days there's always a couple guys that are excused and and maybe have to do something with their family or, or something of that nature. John, does it, I don't even want to say it's a concern, but Eagles are one of the few teams that aren't doing the mandatory, the mandatory OTA session. Uh, you know, it's weird because when you're covering the Ravens, you're covering the chiefs, Seahawks, they're having these and the Eagles aren't like, did Nick just want to give these guys an extra week off? Is that the plan? Yeah, I don't think it's Nick's decision, even though the Eagles claim it's Nick's decision. Um, I think it's an organizational decision. I think the Eagles have gotten together and said, you know, in essence, they did the cost-benefit thing where, all right, let's, let's we, we and I, I say this to Jody all the time, we don't have the time to prepare anyway. 
even if you use all these OTAs, because of all the scale backs and collective bargaining over the years. So, you know, is it is it more valuable to get to week one as healthy as humanly possible, or is it more valuable to squeeze every little piece of prep time that that the CBA gives you? The Eagles have gone on the let's let's be healthy, let's be as healthy as possible. Andy Reid, you mentioned Kansas City. There's a guy who's going to get every little minute of practice time he gets, he's going to take. Um, ultimately, you know, and this is just my opinion because I say this all the time and, and many other reporters have because we haven't. It's true. We have never met a football coach that didn't want to practice. If it were up to Nick Sirianni, my guess is the Eagles would use every single minute available for them when it comes to on-field practice. That's why I don't think he's in charge of this. I think this is a Howie Roseman, Arsh Denota, who's their chief medical officer. It's their decision. Nick doesn't have a lot of power yet. I think this will be interesting down the road if Nick starts getting more power. So if he wins, um, you know, again, he makes the playoffs again this year, maybe wins a game or two, best case scenario, wins the Super Bowl. And then all of a sudden, if he has this, I don't want to call it Andy Reid-like power, but, you know, that kind of cachet, then I think you might see some things change. But right now, he's a young coach. Remember, he was off the radar last year. Nope, he got one interview. That was his first head coaching interview. And he, and he won Jeffrey Lurie over. Not a lot of people had Nick Sirianni on the top of coaching list. This is one of those where it wasn't like if the Eagles didn't hire him, somebody else was going to hire him. This was his opportunity. So he had to take it. He has to listen until he doesn't have to listen. And we're not at that point of the ladder yet. Johnny Mac, one of the things we're getting around the league, not just here in Philadelphia, maybe to a slightly greater degree in Philadelphia with the decisions that the organization has made. I'm with you on this. It's more of a Howie slash organization than it is a coaching thing where less is more. They do less and, and practice and work less. One of the things you can usually get out of preseason, be they practices or games or anything else, is the defined leadership roles on teams. Who are the guys who are going to take charge? Some teams it's rather defined and you can see it from your moment you walk in a locker room. Others is building and, and guys establishing uh, positioning as far as leaders go. Eagles are in a unique position in that Jalen Hurts is the unquestioned leader of the offense. He just has that type of personality. When he had it last year, knew it was going to be his team, had started a handful of games the year before. Um, he took the, the horse by the reins and became the offensive leader. And then he went out and had the season he had, which was, okay, not great, nothing special, not bad, but for a first-year quarterback, solid. How does Jalen's leadership here in camp dictate how the season starts as far as him being the take-charge guy on this offense? Well, I think you're right. I think, you know, that's – of the Eagles issues, I think that's very low on the list. I mean, Jalen's just a natural leader anyway. 
uh, Jalen's one of those guys that people naturally gravitate towards. Like one of the things, and I talk about, and we, you and I have talked about this, Jody, is, you know, now that you have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, you got to worry about, you know, getting people to football and, you know, are they going to get upset? And, and I forget who brought it up, and maybe you remember. It's like, you know, everybody likes um, uh, Jalen Hurts. And, and we know A.J. Brown likes Jalen Hurts, right? And, and he comes from a run-first offense anyway, so he's kind of used to it. Um, but I think the bigger part is everybody likes the guy, so they're not going to complain, at least publicly. You know, maybe they'll get upset. You saw it last year with Devontae Smith at, at, at times, you know, getting a little exasperated on the field thinking, he should have gotten the football in some big situations. And by the way, he's probably right. Uh, you might see some of that stuff. Um, but as far as people making waves, I don't think they're going to make waves because they have so much respect for Jalen Hurts. So I don't worry about um, that. You know, it, it's interesting with young players. And I say this a lot as well. Typically, you're worried about the intangibles. Like, you know, Trevor Lawrence has the physical ability to play quarterback in the NFL. You know that. You flat out know that. You're worried about the other stuff, all the intangibles, the leadership, the, the understanding of the offense, the ability to process and make decisions, all, all that kind of stuff. With Jalen, it's the exact opposite. You know, you know the intangible stuff. You know he's a leader. You know his work ethic is unbelievable. You know he's going to do everything in his uh, uh, abilities to improve. But you worry about uh, the traits and and does he have the accuracy? Can he improve? Can he improve to be a, a star NFL quarterback? That's the part I don't know. So it's kind of it's kind of turned upside down with with Jalen Hurts uh, from from a typical young quarterback. John, one interesting aspect of this offense is, and we talked about this multiple times on this show last year, they went from pass heavy to run heavy, just kind of overnight. And when they went to run a run heavy offense, they started winning games and that carried them to the playoffs. If Jalen Hurts struggles throwing the football this year, even with all this talent, does Nick pivot again and go, I'm going to run heavy or does he just kind of stick to his initial game plan? Yeah, I think he flips again. Um, but I think it starts where it started last year. I think it starts pass heavy. Same thing. Can the quarterback handle it? Hopefully. If he can't, probably be week six, week seven. He'll scale or say, you know what? I might have the best offensive line in football. Um, Jeff Kerr and Jody McDonald can get four yards of carry behind this group. <laughs> Let's just run it down people's throats. Be a little generous here, John. Um, I don't think I am uh, because everybody did it last year. I, I am I'm being facetious, obviously. you got to be an NFL. But Kennedy Brooks, for instance, undrafted kid, if they needed him, um, probably not even going to make the team. But if they needed him, he could probably run for four yards beyond this offensive line. That's how good that offensive line is. Um, they don't want to do that, though. So I think, you know, It'll tell you, you know, if they have to do that again in season, 
you you can pretty much chalk it up. All right, they're going to get a quarterback next offseason. If if they're forced to go from what they want to do, and remember, just as I said with Hassan Reddick, they're not paying AJ Brown twenty five million to to go block people, um, even though he can do it with his size. They're paying him to catch the football. Um, they want to throw the football. They want to. They want to be the eleven personnel team. They want to be able to to have these explosive uh, offensive passing plays. If they have to shift from that again, that's it. They're going to get a quarterback next offseason. J Mac, how important is this camp to Miles Sanders? Final year of his uh, deal, rookie deal. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about yesterday what would be a fair deal that could get done ahead of time if the Eagles motivated to do so. If Miles was motivated to sign it, I uh, don't know that either one of those things are in place, but it's a big camp for Miles because he wants to get paid somewhere on his second contract since Eagles aren't going to be doing 11 11s. Not going to be running the football at all. Miles, I guess, catching it out of the backfield can open the coaching staff's eyes. What can Miles Sanders achieve here in camp and or the limited, if any, preseason action that he's going to get uh, to put himself in position to uh, take a stance that, hey, uh, let's let's formalize this relationship going forward and get a contract extension done, Howie Roseman? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's much he can do, Jody, for this reason. Miles is such an interesting player because he's he's one of those guys. He's entrenched. He's entrenched. The Eagles know he's a good player. They know his limitations as well. Um, I think it's more about their valuation of the position. They don't want to pay a running back a lot of money. They're like a lot of teams in this league. They don't see the value in it, and they don't see the difference. And by the way, when Miles got hurt last year, you saw. I mean, what is the difference between Miles Sanders, who's a better player, but the Eagles were forced to go to Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. They were pretty stinking successful right behind that offensive line uh, to the point when Miles was ready to come back. If you guys remember, we were asking Nick Sirianni, well, you know, Boston's played so well. Jordan's played so well. Is that going to affect Miles' role? And Nick said, nope, which is the weird part. Like, he's entrenched. They know he's their best running back. And even to the point where they were so successful without him, they didn't even think for 10 seconds that they might go in a different direction because they know he's the more talented back. But at the same time, you know, they want to use the committee approach. They love Kenny Gainwell on third downs. They love him in hurry up. So Miles isn't going to get those opportunities. I think the most important thing he's going to be in bubble wrap is, as Jody said in the preseason, he's not going to play at all. He's going to be one of those guys. Um, the, the best thing that Miles can do is stay healthy and play 17 games and put up his best season. And it might not be here, but he'll get a decent contract somewhere else. Um, I don't think there's much he can do because the Eagles kind of know what he is. They like him. They think he's really talented. But there's the positional value is just very, very hard to overcome unless you're 
Christian McCaffrey, and he's not that. So I, I don't know what he can do. John, one thing that's always bothered me about the Eagles, especially over the last 20 years, you had a good quarterback like Donovan McNabb, whose biggest strength was his leg, especially early in his career. Same with Michael Vick when he was here. His biggest strength was still his legs. Are the Eagles going to tell Jalen Hurts, hey, we don't want you running as much. We don't want you taking off, even though you saw the result. Ten rushing touchdowns, probably could have ran for 1,000 yards last year if he doesn't get the ankle injury. Are they going to tell Jalen Hurts, hey, you know what, maybe you shouldn't take off on certain plays? Um, yes and no. They would prefer um, – and this is most teams in this league, they would prefer that, you know, he thinks throw first and then, you know, uses his legs at the proper time. That's tough though, right? I mean, that that is a tough tightrope and that's why you can't just say, stay in the pocket. Don't stay in the pocket, run. You just can't say that. It's sort of uh, in an innate thing. And I think Jalen's pretty good at it, to be honest. Um, I don't think, I don't get the sense that he goes into a play that, and says, I'm going to run. I don't get that sense. I, I do think he's, he's farther ahead than most so-called running quarterbacks about understanding it's better for me if I throw the football, if that's available to me. I think, I think Jalen's biggest problem as a quarterback to this point is he's got a really difficult time throwing receivers open, as they call it in the NFL. So a lot of times there's not going to be a lot of separation. He wants to see an open receiver uh, before he trusts it and throws the football. Whereas, you know, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, they'll throw it behind a cornerback's ears. I mean, they'll be smack dab on him. And they'll throw it right behind their ear, and you'll have this completion back shoulder, whatever. Um, he's not that type of quarterback. Can he become that type of quarterback? And I don't want to compare anybody to Aaron Rodgers, but can he throw receivers open? I don't know if we're ever going to get to that point. Um, but I, I think he's pretty good with the the run pass sort of uh, mentality of, of thinking pass first. And you brought up the problem, Jeff. I think a lot of people say, um, well, he didn't get injured. Yeah, he did get injured. He just played through the injury. I mean, he missed the one game, the Jets game with Gardner Minshew. But he clearly wasn't the same player, and he had to have surgery on his ankle. So, you know, if you play that style of football, you're not going to be playing or you're 40. Let's put it that way. Let's be honest. You're not going to be Tom Brady or Drew Brees. You got to play a certain way to get to that level of a career. And if you want to be uh, an entrenched, you know, 10, 15 year starter, you probably can't play that style of football. And the Eagles understand that. And Jalen Hurts understands that. Johnny Mac, my last question has to do with leakage or lack thereof. We've had a couple of days for, of OTAs. I have not read, seen, heard of any extracurricular competitions that Nick Sirianni has run. Uh, he had a bunch of them last year in his first year as the coach, how to determine. Oh, I think they the went best. bowling, Jody. 
I think they that, did you see what Howie Roseman bowled? Uh, it did not. I, uh, I saw it he, he did not get a heartbreak. <laughs> Less Jeff, than hundred for Howie. Yeah, yes. Jeff, Jeff, you're a you're a you're a high level bowler. So yeah, you'd be a ringer. You should have got in there. You know what? The way I've been bowling the last couple of weeks, I'm pretty sure Howie Roseman could beat me. Oh, not good, Kurt. Didn't know you were in a bit of a, a kegling. Uh, I'm in the funk. I told, ninety got what Bolarama did they take over to get ninety guys out there? I I do not know that. I just I know Jordan Malata had a pretty high score, and I think that Kobe Dean bowled well too. So yeah, George George's good at everything. He was probably singing as he bowled. Uh, I, I were they a top golf too? I've seen a bunch yeah, they of were teams. A, top I yeah, did see a that, bunch uh, of teams were were going to top golf. So yeah, they've been doing stuff, Jody. Yeah. Uh, team building, chemistry exercises. I need. I, a- I, I almost did it, John. I, I almost posted the score up of Howie Roseman on Twitter, but I I, I didn't want to crack open that hornet's nest because we already know Howie Roseman's not a football guy, apparently. So yeah, he's not 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 a football guy. We'll see. I wonder what Julian Laurie can pull. I wonder if Julian was out there. Uh, uh, with the scarf on. That that one picture of him, he's so Natalie clad. I don't <laughs> think you need that for bowling. Uh, all right, so I need a rundown from you, McMullen, either on jacobsports.com or hold it all the way, you know, uh, Birds 365. Every single competition the Eagles have taken part in since they showed up this week. I need all right, I got I got to get to the bottom of that. I know that, that they put up the basketball hoop in the auditorium at the Novacare Compact, that thing's already beat up. They're, you, they're getting a lot of work out of that. I think it's got to come down to the point Daryl Dawkins was in there ripping down <laughs> rims or something. Uh, I can see A.J. Brown dunking on that thing. Yeah, I think A.J. Brown could get up. you got a good uh, point there, J.K. All right, uh, McMullen, we'll let you run on over to the uh, Novacare Complex. Uh, we'll see you back here on Monday. Thanks, bud. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. John McMullen, usual co-host on this show, has got uh, actual reporting duties to do from the Eagles OTA today. That's why I'm joined by Jeff Kerr. He and I have an hour left to play. Kevin Kincaid, crossing broad, bud. Going to hop aboard here in hour number two. Stick around. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago, and then the following morning. 
IBEW Local 98 members with Back to Work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rock. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Appreciate you streaming on in here to Birds 365. John McMullen just took his leave. He's heading over to the Novogratz Complex cover Eagles OTAs today and you'll get all of John's updates on our new website at jacobsports.com feel free to uh, check it out you're a one-stop shop for all things Jacob Media uh, and I'm sure McMahon will have an article or two up there at jacobsports.com later on today Jeff Kerr and Johnny Max stead here on uh, Birds 365 uh, Kevin Kincaid of Crossing Board should join us in uh, less than 20 minutes as our hour two guest. Uh, guess we had earlier this week, uh, JK, John Stolness does some work for uh, Bleeding Green I Nation. I like John Stolness. Good, good dude. dude. Good writer. Uh, good guest when we have him on here. Had an interesting article on Bleeding Green that I want to run by you. Uh, ran down five things. And I don't know John to be this kind of guy. Shoot, I might be more of this kind of guy than John usually is. But he went there. Uh, the glass half empty uh, look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Five things that could go wrong to keep the Eagles from being the best team that they can be. Double digit win. Ninth ranked team in the NFL as per Peter King. We know what the expectations are on the high side. Uh, but things that could go wrong for, for the Eagles. Certainly injuries. Uh, the only thing about that is that's the Eagles and all 31 other teams in the National Football League. Your season can be waylaid by injury. So that's that's nothing new. That's not anything unexpected, uh, but it could surely happen to the Eagles and or anyone else. Washington and or New Jersey improved. 
you're an NFC East guy. We know the uh, Commanders have a new name and a new quarterback with Carson Wentz. The Giants have a new coach and a new general manager. Uh, neither team was very good last year. It was a two-team division. And there was separation between the Eagles and the Cowboys. And we've talked about how much the Eagles have either closed the gap or uh, caught the Cowboys in the NFC East. No one seems to be suggesting that either Washington or New York can crack the top two in the NFC East this year, or can they? If so, (laughs) which one improved, how improved? What's your read on this year's Commanders and Giants coming into the season? Well, not the Giants. Uh, The Giants are pretty much in the – I don't want to say they're in the position the Eagles were in last year because I think they're in a far worse spot. But I look at the Giants as – 2016, Doug Pearson initially, they don't have the young rookie quarterback. They have Daniel Jones. And as much as Giants fans want to believe Daniel Jones is a good quarterback and it's the offensive line, no, Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. So I think they need a year to evaluate Daniel Jones to see what they actually have with a better offensive line with him. But I don't think much is going to change. I think that team needs a quarterback to compete. I think a healthy Saquon Barkley makes them good, but who are they throwing the ball to? Kenny Galladay didn't – I don't even think he had a touchdown last year. And they paid a lot of money for him. Evan Ingram, they didn't like him at tight end, but he was a solid pass catcher. He's gone. The offensive line's better. The defense got worse. I know they did draft Kayvon Thibodeau. I love the pick. That was a great pick. They do have um, – I can never pronounce his name. Um, I uh, Ujieri, um, I, I think that's how you say it. Uh, he had a really good year for them last year. So their pass rush is going to be good. I like the Evan Neal pick on the offensive line, but they're going to miss a lot in their secondary. So no to the Giants. I, I think they can be better. I think they can improve. But this is a rebuild right now in New York, and they've been rebuilding for years. Washington depends on the Carson Wentz because they got weapons. They got Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel's going to be healthy. Um, you know, They got the Amy Brown, who I think can be a really good player for them. I like the running back situation. I like Antonio Gibson. I think they took a hill on the offensive line. They have Logan Thomas at tight end. That should be a pretty decent offense. And we know how fearsome their pass rush is going to be. Oh, by the way, that monster of a defensive ends back, Chase Young. So I think Washington can be scary. I think they can pose a threat. But that's all going to depend on Carson Wentz. And based on what we saw the last two years, I'm not putting my faith in that guy too much. You mentioned uh, Chase Young, who was at the uh, Redskins, excuse me, the Commanders workouts this week. Uh, He isn't back yet. Don't know when exactly he's going to come back during, uh, coming back from the torn ACL or MCL, whichever was, I apologize for not knowing which. Um, But here's my question about Chase Young. He wasn't really all that good last year before he got hurt. Had the unbelievable rookie, it looks like he's going to be a Bosa-type player and pass rusher, number two pick in the draft, and he lived up to those expectations as a rookie. Not so much last year in his sophomore season and ended up getting hurt, but wasn't putting up any numbers, not getting to the quarterback in year number two. What exactly is Chase Young going to be able to give the commanders this season? We're going to find out this year. We're going to find out if he's Nick Bosa or we're going to find out he's not Derek Barnett, but maybe a Charles Harris, you know, good but not great. 
uh, that, that that's what Charles Harris has become. He, he's become a, a first-round bust to a pretty good pass rusher in, in Detroit. So Chase Young has to be a difference maker. You made him number two overall pick in this draft. Uh, you know what? Jadavian Clowney's a better comparison there. Jadavian Clowney's good, but he's not number one overall pick worthy. He just hasn't been. I know he's made three Pro Bowls, but he doesn't get the sacks that you would expect out of that. Montez Sweat has been the better defensive end for them over the last year and a half. Chase Young, you're right, Jody. He looked like he was going to be that difference maker. Everything you thought he was going to be. I think a healthy Chase Young is still very, very good, especially when you got guys like Deron Payne in the middle there. I, I, I think Chase Young, the way that defense is set up, Chase Young should be an absolute stud for the Washington Commanders. But you're coming off an ACL injury. I don't know, Jody. It, it's going to be tough. I think we're going to find out a lot about this guy this year, but I think he needs two more years before I make an accurate depiction of what he can be. I still think he can be a Pro Bowl defensive end or a Pro Bowl edge rusher in this league. No, they they absolutely need him to be if they're going to be as good as they can be. All right, another thing that Jonathan Stone has noted as a – potential for the Eagles not to be able to reach their uh, level of achievement is if Jalen's Hurts' growth is stunted. We're all expecting improvement out of Jalen Hurts. How much improvement is probably the biggest question attached to Philadelphia Eagles this offseason. We all expect them to get better. The question is how much better and in what areas uh, will he get better? What's one of the areas that you think yeah, I, I got to take my eagle-colored glasses off and be honest here for a second. This is just not something I see Jalen Hurts uh, improving with. The deep ball. He has to be better at the deep ball. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in football throwing a deep ball last year. Based on the numbers and the completion percent, on passes that traveled 20-plus air yards, Jalen Hurts was not good. I think he was in the bottom three or bottom four. You know who was actually second in the league in – Passes like that, Jody, the guy who gets probably criticized more than Jalen Hurts out of anybody in the NFL, Tua, of all people. So, and he didn't take that many samples as Jalen Hurts did, but Tua. So, I want to see Jalen Hurts improve on that deep ball. And when you got A.J. Brown and you got Devonta Smith, who we know can catch pretty much anything, he definitely can go out for deep ball. Wes Watkins, you have to be able to be better. At that bottom line, that's the progression I want to see. We talk about completion percentage a lot. We talk about throwing outside the hash marks. The deep ball is what I want to see Jalen Hurts. That's where he has to improve, and that's where this offense can be a top five offense in this league. No, I was a big to a guy coming out of the draft while he's at Alabama, coming out in the draft. Uh, this year, he's got uh, even better weapons than he's had previously. Um, I'm, I'm thinking the two is sitting on a big year, but we'll have to see. Well, I find out Jalen Hurts. You don't, don't want to see a man cheetah. Let's just say that. Okay, fair enough. Um, one other thing that uh, Mr. Stoneless uh, noted as potential area where the Eagles might not be able to reach their lofty goals. If the defense isn't improved, we absolutely believe that they upgraded the talent on the defense via free agency, via the draft, that this should be a better defense. You had a Hassan Reddick, you had a James Bradbury, you drafted Davis, you drafted a Kobe Dean. You should get better on defense. He has more weapons. He has more guys he can tap into to do different things. If he doesn't, how critiqued is Jonathan Gannon going to be in this town? 
worse than last year. And I defended John McGann because I'm like, he, he didn't have anybody. He didn't. Now he does. He has Darius Slay. He has James Bradbury. Has Avante Max. Has Hassan Reddick. Has Josh Sweat. Javon Hargrave. Fletcher Cox. I'm just naming everybody. Jordan Davis. Uh, Davion Taylor's going to be one of their backup linebackers. I think he's a pretty good player. There are no excuses for this defensive coordinator this year. I don't want to hear Howie Roseman say, we're borrowing John McGannon on a rental. No. No. I want to see him in action. I, you know, we haven't had this much talent on defense. The Eagles have not had this since, dare I say, Dream Team? Dare, dare I say a little before the Dream Team? When Brian Dawkins was here? They have a lot of talent on this side of the ball. They have to execute. Jonathan Gannon's system needs to work. And I think it's predicated on getting to the quarterback. The Eagles were second to last in the NFL in sacks last year. And this may be a bold prediction. They should be, at the very least, top seven this year. Because I think they have the talent to get to the quarterback. I, speaking of getting to the quarterback, we know it's going to be on Hassan Reddick's plate, and I surely believe he can do so and maybe get those double-digit sacks that you and Johnny Mack talked about in hour number one. Been a while since it happened here in Philadelphia. Uh, two guys who I don't think will get double-digit sacks, but better get some this year because they're going to get time at defensive end, are Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. Brandon Graham coming back off the injury, Derek Barnett coming back because he was re-signed. Not sure why, but he is. He's back, and he's part of the defensive end rotation. Who do you got more faith in getting the job done on whatever basis it is, however many snaps they get, matching up snaps to production? Derek Barnett or Brandon Graham? I'll never have faith in the guy who has more penalties in his career than sacks, so let's go with Brandon Graham on that one. I'll, I'll make it short and sweet. I, I don't care what, Brandon, what injury Brandon Graham is coming off of. Brandon Graham will still be an effective defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2022 because he can stop the run that that talent does not go away and i think when you put brandon graham in the rotation with Hassan reddick with josh what the eagles covered all the tracks here by the way brandon graham not saying he's gonna get double digit sacks but i think six or seven and about 30 40 pressures i think that's gonna be a really good year for brandon graham at 34 years old and if he can, uh, maybe he comes back for another year thereafter. But I do believe this is the last year for Derek Barnett. Shoot, I thought it was going to be the last year. Last year, and I was pooping wrong. <laughs> the Eagles decided to bring him back on, on a, a fair contract. Not like they paid him because he was this vaunted Eagle. No, they got him on a uh, very fair deal. But uh, Brandon Graham question. Brandon, during his time here with the Eagles, has been effective in that they can slide him inside. They've taken him off the end and put him onto the inside. This year, you still got Fletcher Cox. You got Javon Hargrave. And now you're adding Davis to the mix. They're going to go some 3-4 rather than 4-3. Is that going to be a factor at all in Brandon Graham's usage? Or can we look for that less maybe than we're used to because the Eagles are actually better and deeper at the defensive tackle position? I think you can still line Brandon Graham inside. They want some more speed on the edge. Like, you want to put Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, and Josh Sweat all together. And, look, they're going to do some five-man fronts here. So, I think we will see that. I think you'll see not more of Brandon Graham on the inside. I think they'll be strategic in how they do it. Um, I just think they're going to find a way to get all three of these guys on the football field and have that make an impact. And, you know, you can line Hassan Reddick up at linebacker and be able to do that. And Brandon Graham, what I like about him is – He's just as effective 
going into the B gap or potentially disrupting the A gap as pretty much any edge rusher uh, in the league, especially now, even coming off the injury, he's still very good at that. that will he get the sack? No. He's going to be like Aaron Donald in this sense? No. But he's going to get pressure on the quarterback, and if he does, he forces them outside the pocket. Well, it's going to be Josh Sweat and Hassan Rag Ray to Green. So I think Brandon Graham is going to be effective if they decide to do that this year, and I think they should. All right. Last thing that John Stolmus used as a uh, potential uh, speed bump for the Eagles season uh, that they don't get to the level that some are projecting him to be able to get to is the schedule is not as easy as we may think it is. We all like to talk about strength of schedule, but that's kind of based on last year as we look forward to this year. We know there were always changes, so it is an imperfect way to do things, but we go ahead and do it anyway, guilty as charged. All right, I'm going to run through them real quick, uh, JK, and I want you to give me one or two games that you say, yeah, the Eagles will be favored in that game, but it might be a tougher or trickier task uh, than we thought. think. At Detroit, home Minnesota, at Washington, Jacksonville week four, return of Dougie P. Uh, at Arizona, Dallas, by home Pittsburgh, at Houston, uh, at uh, home Washington, at Indy, uh, Frankie Reich, uh, Green Bay, Tennessee, at the Giants, very heavy on the division at the end. At the Giants, uh, at the Bears, at Dallas, home New Orleans, home Giants. Give me one or two games where you go, yeah, the Eagles will be favored, but they better watch out that week. Well, week one, they're already favored. Uh, one thing I don't like about this week one matchup, and I think the Eagles should win because they're a good team. But this is what I hate about week one. I don't think the Detroit Lions are going to be a playoff team in any way, shape, or form. I think they're going to be better because their division sucks. But one thing, and take it from a guy who coached a 2-19 basketball team last year, you don't know you're a bad team the first game of the season. You don't. You're Everybody's 0-0, and the Detroit Lions could go in there, and Jared Goff could sling the rock to Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameson Williams and – Amon Ross St. Brown's a really good receiver, and Jameson Williams, in my opinion, was the best receiver in the draft. I don't care who the Eagles got back there. Those two could torch them because you don't know what Dan Campbell and those guys have up their sleeve. DeAndre Swift's a really good receiver out of the backfield. They could catch the Eagles off guard, so that scares me a bit. And I know the offense, I think, has to put up at the very least 25 week one. They have to show up because Detroit's defense isn't good. They got guys that can get to the quarterback, but secondary sucks. So that's why I think Eagles should win that game, but they will be favored. Um, another one, I think the Eagles, they might be favored. Arizona, I mean, but they don't win in Arizona. And I actually chalked this up as a loss when I did my early course of the schedule, but Arizona doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. And Kyler Murray and the Cardinals only average 19 points per game when DeAndre Hopkins is not in the lineup compared to 27 when he is. But they do have Hollywood Brown. Their defense isn't good. It's, you know, they're about to cut Jordan Phillips. I think they did cut Jordan Phillips. I'm not even sure if they did or not yet. He was supposed to be a post-June first cut. Um, but the Cardinals, to me, are a team that I think they're a playoff team in the NFC, but I don't know what to make of them. So, you know, depending on how the Eagles start, I think they'll be favored there. So they're, those are two games, Jody, I'm looking at. Yeah, Both I on the road. At Detroit, out of Arizona. I think they'll actually be a slight underdog against Arizona. That is going to be a tricky matchup. 
Uh, interesting for me, the one that I would add to that list is Steelers. Because I'm just a Mike Tomlin fan. Everyone thinks there's going to be a big drop-off because Ben is done. Ben was not good last year. Ben was a shadow of his former self. I think Kenny Pickett could step in. And he's not going to be like Ben Roethlisberger at the top of his game. Ben's going to the Hall of Fame. But can Kenny Pickett this upcoming year be as good as Ben Roethlisberger was last year? I think he'd be better than Ben Roethlisberger exactly. last year. So I think that Steeler game could be a key one to watch this year. All right, Jeff Curry, Jordan McDonald here with Young Birds 365. Put a third voice into the mix. Our buddy Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Goat Broad going to join us next here on Birds 365. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Streaming on in here on Birds 365. Jeff Curran for John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. And joining us is our pal from Crossing Broad, Kevin Kincaid. 
KK, you ready to go? What are you doing? You're fixing your ear set there? Yeah, I can't decide if I wanted to do headphones or not. I can't get enough volume out of the computer. I need to do a, uh, I need like a spinal tap. I need to turn it up to, uh, <laughs> turn it up to 11. You know, I can't get enough volume, but you're good. I, I'm going to do no headphones for this one. We'll, we'll scream at you. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure we asked this before, but I don't remember the answer. So I'm going to ask it again. Uh, your website, Crossing Broad, one of the best when it comes to just all sports in Philadelphia. How much percentage-wise, I know you're a guy who likes to crunch the data, how much percentage-wise of your traffic is Eagle-related compared to basically everything else? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I think it's a little different for us because we do some stories that other outlets don't do you know we write about the media and we do all the radio stuff which you know we had a banner week with that obviously um so we get a lot of traffic off of that but you know if you, if you want to break it in different buckets and look at like sports stuff versus me criticizing bruce springsteen like i would say that probably 75 percent of you know the stuff that's like really red or really like hits it big is uh eagles related stuff i'll give you a great example actually because um i don't know if you remember there was like kind of this there's this video that came out after the playoff game last year eagles and bucks where one of the tampa coaches i think one of the secondary coaches was on the sidelines and he said jeff knows what i'm talking about yeah he said like uh jalen hurts can't see the what did he say he can't see the field or he can't he, he can't yeah, I, it was something along the lines of can't see the field or he can't read our defense or something like that. Yes, he can't read a defense or whatever. And that's like otherwise a throwaway line. Like it's just a snippet from, a, you know, like a video that they go back and do after a game or whatever. But we just threw that up on the site as like an unassuming kind of thing. And it like was the biggest story we did that month <laughs> because people will people will like just latch on to vi viral Eagles stuff and they will just, just go with that for forever. You know, I, it's funny because – you know, my wife used to work in Philly uh, media, Philly sports media. And so like the running joke was always like the Eagles pay the bills in every sports media household in Philadelphia. So it hasn't it hasn't changed at all, you know. It, so, Kevin, obviously you had a huge week, uh, you know, <laughs> busting out all those breaking news stories. Uh, Radio Wars was it was a banner week. I was off crossing front a lot because <laughs> I, mi I missed a lot of stuff. I was like, wait. And I actually was listening to Miss Sinelli when he made the announcement. I'm like, oh, Kevin's got to be on this. And I was like, wow, this this is something. But overall, for you, like, how do you think the Philly media landscape is going to change with Ray, Ray Diddy gone, Mike Miss Sinelli gone? I mean, this is a cosmic shift right now. It's crazy, too. And not just that. You look at news, you know, Jim, imagine a world where Jim Gardner is oh. not there. Uh, Hurricane Schwartz, uh, you know, Vaisik Ahema retired two years ago. You had like great veterans like Walt Hunter and you're like Vernon Odoms and Damn Kathy Taylor. Gandolfo and Nora Mashanik who aren't doing it anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy how much turnover there's been in the last two years. But um, I, I have this theory. It's not really a theory, actually. It's been kind of well proven by this point. But a lot of people during COVID just kind of quit their jobs or retired or if they were teetering on the fence and they weren't sure if they wanted to do it anymore. They're like, oh, OK, I think I'm done. You know, I'm like, I've had enough of this or whatever. It's counter counterintuitive, I guess, to think that that would also affect people in our industry, because these jobs, quite frankly, are not easy to get. You know, I mean, if you're like Jim Gardner or even if you're doing like a WIP shift or something like Jody, like those are hard to break into and there aren't a lot of them. So you would think like, Hey, you know, if you're going to quit, I mean, like there's no coming back from this, you know? So it's interesting to see that a lot of the turnover that was happening, happening in other industries during COVID 
that affected sports media and news media at the same time. Like a lot of people just retiring and calling it quits. So it's like a huge shift for sure. But I mean, you got you got to hand off, you got to pass the baton to the younger generation at some point. You know, I mean, like you know, Mike and Angelo and Ray and all those guys aren't can't can't do it forever. So you know, I'm very interested to see how that transition looks to guys who are younger, maybe more digital focused. You know, maybe speak to a Twitter crowd or have a YouTube show or something like that. It's definitely um, a changing of the guard, but it's, it's, it's fascinating for anybody who's, who's worked in media or who follows it closely. And your point about COVID is dead on. There hasn't been one guy who's come back who said, oh, I'm out for COVID. All right, COVID's gone. I'm back. Hasn't yeah. happened yet. So uh, yeah. I think you're right. You, you yeah. give up a uh, premium job. You can't just say, okay, now I'll, I'll check back in again. Doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah, Mark um, Mark Zumoff's a good example too. You know, I mean, like look at like these these broadcasters too who had to do all this remote stuff in the studio. They're like, I mean, you know, how 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 much? I don't want to speak for him, but like some people probably think like, hey, am I like really itchy to like get back on the road and be on a plane? You know, three times a week. I, I think what it does, what it did, Jody, was it made a lot of people take a step back and think, hey, like what really is this and what's important? You know, so. But let me let me follow up with that because that's a good point. Um, with the Eagles being different than the other three teams here in town. The Flyers, the Sixers, and the Phillies all used announcers calling games off monitors. That they were sitting in a studio, oftentimes in the stadium itself, where they were doing games without having to go anywhere. Not the Eagles. The NFL sends out, and it's not a local broadcast, it's a uh, national broadcast, but they send out announcers every single game even during the height of COVID guys were doing stuff mm. still from the stadiums. Could you tell the difference in the quality of the game from an announcer who was sitting above the field in the studium, a studio as compared to one doing it off a monitor? Absolutely. 1000% because I just think that there's, first of all, here's the thing you don't get, you're, you know, restricted to what you see on the TV screen. You know, like if you're Kate or Allah or Mark use basketball for an example, and you have the periphery of the whole stadium, you may be able to spot something that's going on. Or if there's a replay that you're at the mercy of whatever feed you're getting, you may be able to look at the jumbotron off screen and say, okay, here, you know, um, Al Horford hit another three pointer or something, but his, maybe his foot was on the line. Right. Okay. So you're seeing, you just can see things that you can't when you're sitting in a studio, but also too, I think this is kind of like a thing that's hard for me to like qualify or quantify or put any kind of like number on, but the energy that you feel from being in the building, take a guy like Kevin Harlan, who gets like really into those calls, you know, like you can't, you, you have to manufacture fake energy when you're sitting there in a studio at 10 o'clock Eastern and the Sixers are on the West coast playing the Sacramento Kings who stink, you know, like how do you sell that excitement to somebody? You know, there was a lot of, uh, well, I don't want to say acting is the right word, but there was a lot of like trying to, to build something that wasn't there where I think if you're in a, in that environment, naturally it just comes. You know? I mean, could you, could you imagine Merrill and Mike sitting in a booth watching like the Eagles play the, the Niners or something like that, you know, and, and plus another layer of that is football is, is insanely hard to call off a monitor, yeah, you know, cause guys are so far down. You're trying to pick out numbers. You know, a lot of guys in the booth have a spotter who's going to tell them like who made that tackle or whatever. So I think, I think in the case of the NFL, number one, it's like too important and, and almost like too big to fail. If you want to look at it that way, like they soldiered on through all of it when other, when other sports were, were cutting corners, you know, didn't Merrill call a game from the booth last year. Was it Washington? 
it may have been. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. But do you do you remember the circumstances? If that was, or, or I, why I, that? I just don't think he liked the FedEx Field press box. I, I don't want to put the worst <laughs> stuff. I mean, I don't blame him because I've been in that. It's yeah. good, but I can. Yeah. I wouldn't blame him if that was the case. No, I, well, he's not the only person who doesn't like FedEx Field for sure. I mean, you know, if, if Merrill didn't call a game from there, and then you had the railing collapse, and then you had the sewer pipe or the water pipe or whatever that exploded overhead, you know, what I mean, you could do a. Uh, we could put together our entire like Mount Rushmore of like uh, issues that have happened. At, uh... I got a FedEx Field story for you. This wasn't even a press box related story. So last game I was at as a fan, this is probably about nine, ten years ago. I was at FedEx Field. There was a hornet's nest. Three rows above me, and we'll have them in there. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah. I'm going to die tonight because I'm going to do something to upset them. And yeah, never happened. Yeah. And you tell FedEx Field, I'm like, why am I even telling them this? They don't care. I don't even know. I don't know what it is about the Washington stadiums. You know, I, I you know, I used to do the Union, right? So we would go down to the old RFK, right, where the Nationals played up until you know, f- however many years ago it was, and like that press box is terrible. It was so narrow. It looked like you were looking out like a hatch of like the. Uh, What's the name of the the ship in Star Wars? Like the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah, the, the Falcon. <laughs> yeah, and there was like there were raccoon people spotted raccoons like around the stadium or whatever. So it was like there was these like little like funny stories like that. But it's funny to think that like you know Landover and FedEx Field is like a dump, and it's the same way. You know they they need a new a new stadium so, like crazy. Speaking of that, I I actually made a funny story uh, like made a funny comment on Twitter about this. When John Kahn was reporting that Washington bought that land uh, by Fredericksburg or wherever it is. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, they're going to get this awesome new stadium, this awesome new practice facility, and the Baltimore Ravens are going to be closer to Washington than the Washington Commanders. It's probably. Yeah. Well, and Daniel Snyder's not exactly the most popular guy right now. So you can imagine telling the people down there, hey, we're going to use your tax dollars to build Dan Snyder another stadium or whatever. 55,000 seat yeah. stadium to boot. Nobody yeah. wants to build Dan Snyder a new stadium. No. Anybody who's looking to get in business with Dan Snyder is doing it because they think there's profit in it. Nobody wants to do that guy any kind of a favor. All right, uh, Kev, let me ask you about Jalen Hurts coming into this year. Again, you're a traffic-driven website, and a lot of Eagle fans go there. I think that the pendulum has swung toward believing in Jalen Hurts. Not 100%. It's never going to be 100% for any player but there was more doubt after you always remember the last thing you saw, which was the Eagles getting their tail kicked by Tampa in the playoffs last year. But time and other additions to the Eagles team, I think, has swung the pendulum, even though he hadn't completed a pass in five months, uh, to more belief in Jalen Hurts. Just root, root, root for the home team. Reasonable amount of optimism. Uh, do you agree with my stance that more people are believing in Jalen Hurts than at the end of last season? Yeah, I think so too. And it's just it's it could just be as easy as you know improving the team around him. You know, he's got a legit WR one now. He's got a legit WR two. He's got a legit tight end one. You know, he's got one of the best offensive lines. Uh, you have a a pretty good top fifteen, just outside the top twelve, kind of back in Miles Sanders, who's on a contract here, who wants who has a lot to prove. So I, I think if anything, Jody, you're taking away the layers of. Uh, possible excuses that you could throw in there to say like we can't evaluate this properly because he just didn't have a good receiver or he didn't have this or he didn't have that so I think that I think that's kind of the key you know I and we all know I I think you remember the argument that I presented to you guys last year it wasn't much of an argument but my take on it was always like it's not that Jalen Hurts is not talented we know he can run and do some amazing things with his feet he's like a fantasy football beast right but you don't win you're not playing fantasy football you're playing real football 
And philosophically, do you think that you can win in the modern day NFL if you are a running team? Right. So I think what Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie have always believed is like you have to throw the ball to win in the modern day NFL. So we're going to see this year if Jalen Hurts can throw the ball. Like we know he's got uh, everything else. We know he's got the legs. We know he's got the leadership qualities. We know that people that the team really seems to like him in the locker room. So he's got all that stuff. But like, does he have the arm? Man, can, can he make those passes? Can he make second level and 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 third level kind of throws? And that's it is a continuation of what we were looking for him from last year. But now you've got the pieces in place where if he can't do it, then nobody's going to have an excuse for why that is. Kevin, one of the things I loved about this offseason was the acquisition of A.J. Brown. And we want to talk about the Eagles throwing the ball more. But I don't, maybe it's just me. I don't feel like it should be the hype that A.J. Brown deserves, whether it's Eagles fans don't know him that well, or I think this could be like a T.O. type impact for this franchise. I, I mean, it, from your end of the spectrum, do, do you feel like it's the offseason hype for A.J. Brown? Like it's there, but it's not where it should be? So I think that's a good point. I think it's relative to what you had before, where you're coming from, which is, you know, when's the last time, and I'll kind of answer a question with a question here, but when's the last time that they had a wide receiver group like this? You know, because I think people were so well, like, Jacqueline, that's probably it. Yeah. Cause I think people are just so jaded with your Jalen Ragers and your JJ Arthega white sides. And you got one year of Devonte Smith is kind of like a rookie tweener, you know, that I think like you, when you know, when you go from good to great, Versus going from like poor to really good, you know, the, the difference there, I think, is going to make people feel a certain way, you know, so I think they're they're kind of starved for good, you know, wide receiver one play. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot heaped on A.J. Brown here for that signing, because you're going pretty much from like nothing to, oh, this looks really damn good now, you know, so maybe it's just like a skew in perspective based on like where the Eagles were coming from to what to the talent group that they have now. I think it's probably the same on the defensive side, too. You know, I think like you're expecting a lot out of that because they made a lot of additions. But again, they were just kind of a, you know, a blob defensively last year. They had some good moments and some really bad moments. You know, the spectrum, they were all over on both sides of the spectrum. I KK, want you to weigh in on something Johnny Mack and I have been kicking around for the last couple of weeks. The Eagles will be doing less in OTAs than maybe any other team in the National Football League. They had the maximum of 13 days. They can use, they're planning on using six. Uh, they can practice up to two hours. We expect it to be less than that because it was last year in preseason. Uh, they're pretty much on record as saying they're doing less because they believe it gives them a better chance to be healthy, start of the regular season, and it's a Nick Sirianni decision, but nobody believes that. We believe it's an organizational decision, which is being uh, foisted on Nick Sirianni. Are the Eagles ahead of the curve and smarter than everybody else, or have they outsmarted themselves and not getting work in is not good for a football team? Which way do you fall on this? Well, I mean, if you look at what they did last year, which was kind of a precursor to this, I mean, it was similar in their approach last year, I think. Um, Injury-wise, you came out of training camp with what? Ty- Tyree Jackson and a knee injury, right? I mean, I can't remember any anything else that was really significant, you know what I mean? They were pretty... Smith had his thing, but he was going to be ready by week one anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and I just think, you know, in the years prior, you know, when we were like, you know, I, I was ready to take the blue medical tent and put it on a uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, blue origin and fire it into the toposphere or whatever, you know, like I think everybody was 
that approach was palatable, Jody, because people had seen what it was like the year before. We got all these injuries. You had Jeff McClain is asking about soft tissue to his credit, like every other week, trying to get trying to get answers on this stuff. So I think it was amenable, you know, for both sides to say, "Hey, let's try to dial it back a little bit, and be safe about it," you know. And you know, look, if you if if the players, you know, respond right, to that, me, can I argue say, the other side for just one second? Yeah, 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 yeah. They were two and five. And then the second half of the season kicked in, they started winning games when maybe they actually got some football in and got more used to playing football in Nick Sirianni's system. Now, you and I both know it's a hell of a lot more than that. It's the teams they're facing. There's a lot of things that factor in. But if we're going to go really simplistic, practice equates to lack of practice equates to non-injury or lack of practice equates to not crisp enough football played. It kind of played both ways last year. Yeah, I mean, we could do whataboutism for the rest of the show. You know, well, what about starting with a new coach and a new defensive coordinator and they didn't have an identity and they didn't start to run the damn ball until, you know, week whatever. You know, so, uh, but, but you know, I'm not, yeah, it's not disputing your point. I think there definitely could be certainly something to that. But I think there's more of a philosophical push and pull here where, and, and I always say this from like a work perspective, like as an employee and an employer, if you, realize if you put time and effort and consideration into your employees they will give it back to you in a reciprocated kind of way and if the players say we don't want to be out here 13 days for otas in june but we're going to bust our ass for you when it's go time then there's kind of like a trust factor thing going in here okay we'll give you like the relaxed kind of summer that you want we'll kind of take it easy but when it's time like we we expect you to be there and i think players respond to that um and say you know, we appreciate you kind of taking our thoughts into account on this. It's almost kind of Jody, like, I don't know if you see this, but I, you know, the era of player empowerment in the NBA, I see a little bad, a little bit of that in the NFL now where it's like, Hey, we're going to like, listen to the players a little bit more during summer here. And like, you know, tell us what they want to do with their bodies, what they think is enough, what they think is not enough. And like, you're going to get, if we give you these concessions now, you got to give it back to us in the regular season, you know? Yeah, there's definitely player empowerment in the NFL game. I mean, we saw it with Tyreek Hill. He pretty much said, I'm not coming back here. I'm not coming back against the Chiefs. And yeah. the Chiefs were – they're one of the few franchises that said, okay, sure, you know, we'll, we'll get what we can. And you know, I, I think that was more the Christian Kirk thing. But you're right. There's definitely player empowerment. Um, one thing I think is kind of interesting about that, though, do you think we're going to see all these teams move quarterbacks, move receivers – just constantly every single year like we see in the NBA with guys switching teams. Man, I don't know if it'll get to that point, and I don't know if that's healthy for anybody because you look at what the NBA is now and you got Ben Simmons sitting there, you know, being a crybaby for however many months, and then when he gets traded, you know, his he doesn't even play for the other team. Like, I, we don't – we don't – I don't know. I don't know if the answer to the question is yes or no, but I, I want the answer to be no, you know, because it just – you know, it's just a push and pull, man. It's a give and take. It's like any kind of like, uh, you know, collective bargaining that you do with anybody. Like there's got to be a sweet spot in the middle ground. And I don't I don't like players, you know, being able to force their way out of any situation or else like contracts are worthless. Well, contracts are kind of worthless anyway, because Howie is, you know, the void year master at this point. But, uh, you know, I just I, I want it's good for the player and coach relationship to just say like, Hey, I'm going to like take your thoughts into consideration, man. It's not anything complicated. Like it's your body. You're the one playing, man. If you don't want 13 OTA days. Okay. Tell me what you want, but you got to give it back to me on the other end. And so I think there's more of a, like a uh, two way street with that. 
KK, will the viewing positioning of Julian Laurie be a big deal on Crossing Broad this year? Will you have scouts slash spies out there that for every week where Julian Laurie is watching the Philadelphia Eagles games? Yeah, I think we'll have a lot of fun with it for sure. I mean, like that's a content goldmine right there, you know. Um, and people are fascinated with that kind of stuff. You know, that story was everywhere yesterday. I know there's nothing going on at this point, but you Google like like Julian Laurie, you see like every news outlet in the carousel or whatever they call it in Google, like it was at the top of Google or whatever. But people are fascinated with that. We're gonna have our fun with that and we'll do a lot of content with it. But on a more practical note, like you know, rich dude hands the business to his rich son. You know, like this, the sun is, is yellow. The grass is green. The sky is blue. You know, this is not like a, like any kind of like, you know, breaking news here, but I, on a, on a more, on a deeper note, like would anybody really dispute like Jeffrey Lurie's ownership and leadership over the last 25 or whatever years, when you look at like what some of the other teams are in the NFL character issues, Daniel Snyder joke investigations, alleged cheerleader tape fudging. You know, it's like Jeffrey Lurie has run like a pretty clean and pretty respectable organization. And the Eagles are always relevant. You know, they're always in it. Um, he seems to be like a well-spoken and pragmatic kind of guy. And say whatever you want to say about him picking, taking draft selections or not. Like, yeah, guess what? The boss of every place wants to have some say, right? You know, but like if, if Julian Lurie, with well, the point I'm trying to make in a roundabout way, is that if Julian Lurie is anything like his dad, then Eagles fans could do a lot worse, you know? Oh, exactly. It, so this is how I treated it at CBSSports.com with Julian Lurie. I feel like it's kind of important to know who is going to run the Philadelphia Eagles in five years. Jeffrey Lurie is 70 years old. Uh, yeah. He's not getting any younger. And the Eagles haven't had an ownership shift. Like, you know, you keep hearing about it's a, it was a big deal when David Tepper bought the Carolina Panthers. You want to know who's owning your franchise, who's running the, the day-to-day operations of your franchise. And I, I think that's where all the hits came from. Yeah, speaking of the Panthers, actually, they just had a disaster because they, I think their their owners own, like, the new Charlotte MLS team, and they fired their coach and a bunch of people already. But to your point, it's like, who's who's like who is in charge here? You know what I mean? So I think it's important to get him in get Julian in as early as possible. Cause like you're saying, like Jeffrey Lurie ain't getting any younger, you know, and you don't want it to be some kind of situation. I don't see Jeffrey Lurie being like a Jerry Jones kind of guy, like just hanging on and his son's there with him, but like he's, he won't go away. You know, I think Jeffrey Lurie's the kind of guy who, who would be, you know, when his son like really, really is ready. Like, I think he would probably step off and, and pass that baton. You know, I don't, I don't think he would cling to it like some of these other owners do when they're passing it to family members. Yeah, to add to your point, Robert Kraft is living all six Super Bowls. I don't think he's been that great of an owner in the last couple of years, especially now that Golden Boy's gone. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. All of a sudden, yeah. you're criticizing the Patriots and stuff they're doing. And some people will, especially up in Boston, because they're like, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick. He's a genius. I'm like, if he's such a genius, why is Matt Patricia running the offensive line and Joe Judge is a guy in charge of his franchise quarterback? You always argue about that too. Like how much is Belichick responsible for that? How much is Brady responsible for their success? I think Bob Kraft is more interested in hanging out at Michael Rubin's white party than doing anything that has to do with the Patriots at this point. <laughs> All right, KK, last one for me. Expectations. The Eagles' expectations have been ratcheted up. Harry Roseman's had a really strong offseason season. Free agent addition, very good draft, 
Uh, the Eagles are ranked, rated higher. Peter King's got them in his preseason power rankings past top 10. Last year, I thought Nick Sirianni made a bold move when he made them a run first team when they were two and five and said, hey, we got to start winning games. But that was last year's expectations, and he did it. How quick will the Eagles be to change some specific things, maybe high-level things this year, if they get off to a slow start with higher expectations? Man, that's the story of the year, I think. You know, like, it was Nick Sirianni's switch to being a run-first team predicated on the fact that Jalen Davis didn't believe in Jalen Hurts, you know, and are they going to try to go back to doing what they did for the first couple you know, games of last season, and then do they get out of it? You know, I it, that to me, that's storyline. Jalen Hurts, obviously, is storyline number one. Number two, to me, is what what really is Nick Sirianni? What really is Jonathan Gannon? Because they got the personnel that they need now. So there's no, like, we're going to do this by necessity. If Jonathan Gannon wants to play a 3-4, okay, you got the talent to play 3-4 now. Nick Sirianni wants to go back to throwing the ball. You got two great wide receivers now. So that, that, that to me, are – Storylines 1A and 1B, but expectations. I mean, 10 wins. It's got to be 10 wins. You went 9 and 8 last year in a transitional year. You know, if we're looking at this thing on a linear curve, okay, then you went 9 wins last year. We went 10 wins this year. You know, it's not, it's, that's not like rocket science, you know, but I don't know how the Eagles view that transition year. You know, I don't think, I don't know if they felt like they needed one year or two years or whatever, but you guys know in the NFL, like you can turn it around pretty quickly. You know, they're not like multi year rebuilds in the NFL, unless you're like the lions and you stink and you keep making like the, the wrong decisions. But you know, the Eagle, how many down years have the Eagles had over the last like 15, 20 years? You know, we said it was a disaster after chip was fired. They won the super bowl two years later. We said it was a disaster after Andy was fired. Chip went 10 and six and 10 and six, you know? So it's not unfathomable to think that like you can be a playoff contender with the schedule they have win 10 games and, and challenge the Cowboys for the division. You know, Kevin, one for me here. I, I, I feel like overall, Maybe Eagles fans don't care uh, as much about former players as they used to. Like, I remember when whatever T.O. did with the Cowboys, it was a huge deal because it was a former Eagle and the ugly divorce. Do you think they care as much about Carson Wentz now, knowing that they got the draft pick from from the Colts and they, they basically used that to get A.J. Brown? Or do you think the hype's going to be back because Carson Wentz is playing for Washington twice? I, I think it's just because it's a division rival. Yeah. I mean, you have those people who, you know, and I like railed about this last year and like it was kind of an unpopular opinion. It's like every time Carson threw like an incomplete pass, it's like people couldn't wait to go on Twitter and be like, oh, I told you he stinks. You know, it's like, I mean, I, I get it. Like, he, like, but, but he's not Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? He didn't like hold out and, and quit and like blah, blah, blah. Like, well, eventually he did quit, but he didn't hold out. But he played a role in the Super Bowl team, you know? So it's like I, I, I get the vitriol that people had for him. But to me, it was just silly how people like couldn't wait to pick up their phone and say something stupid on social media every time he threw like a Donovan McNabb worm, worm burner into the ground, you know? But I do think I do think it's waning a little bit, to be honest. Like the Rangers are in the, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals. Like I haven't heard a peep in Philadelphia. Like maybe that's because people are out on the fan. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It like kind of die. It seems like it's that divisional thing is dying out a little bit. You know, I mean, maybe that's not the case. I don't, I don't feel like, you know, people are like, you know, bummed that the Celtics are in the finals, but I don't like sense the same amount of vitriol you would have if, like the Cowboys were going on a run, you know? Yeah. My, my only vitriol with the Celtics in the finals was ESPN was crowning them champions when they were only 500 back in January. And now they're getting their yeah. just dessert. So I don't know. It's interesting. I don't think, you know, a younger generation looks at sport necessarily the way we do, because I don't think sport is hyper regionalized like it used to be. I mean, you have people who are watching teams from all over the world now. And, 
you know, so you don't really get that geographic, like, Hey, my friends from like North Jersey and the you know, giants stink and I'm going to needle him on text message or whatever. I think it's more just like you watch the teams you like, and then, you know, um, you reserve kind of the uh, divisional hatred for special occasions. Yeah, it was the same thing with Trotter. Like I, I loved when the Eagles beat the, uh, at the time, the Redskins 40 to six, because Trotter was there and they made such a big deal in that game. It was Monday night football. And you were hearing how great Steve Spurrier was. And he was just, took him to the woodshed. And I always liked that, you know, when T.O. came back, it's, you know, Dawkins was in his face all the time. I don't think, you're right. I don't think we get that anymore. No, and that's what made it fun. You know, I mean, it was always like fun to like needle them and do the divisional thing, especially like, if, you know, if you're a college football guy too, especially, you know, like, hey, Bama and Auburn, you're going to like, you know, I remember when the ACC poached all the Big East teams and the Big East had, had like a 3-0 and day against them. And you had this fun geographical stuff. You know, I just, I, I don't think a younger like, like demo really latches onto that the way that we used to, you know? Every yeah. game is on everywhere at all times. So yeah. it uh, specialized the way it used to be. You are dead right about that, KK. And the thing that bummed me out about the Eagles' schedule issue was, yeah, I wanted Carson Wentz here first. The first game's in Washington. I wanted okay. him here first because, yeah, I was one of those guys. Anytime Carson decided to throw an incomplete pass or an interception <laughs> left-handed, hello, Carson, real good. Uh, yeah. wide open wide receiver in in overtime of the most crucial game of the season for him you gotta let it go jody you gotta live and let live man you don't play here anymore i know he doesn't and if if i'll give you this much kk if that's his uh bar not as big an a-hole as ben simmons way to go carson good job buddy. yeah not exactly a hot take right there yeah, you know? that's, uh, <laughs> not, not, a, not a very high bar yeah. that's being set for carson wentz yeah. ak always a pleasure buddy appreciate you hopping on we'll get you on again sometime during the summer before the season gets underway thanks bud my pleasure gentlemen have a good weekend all right check yeah. out his website one of the best in philadelphia crossing broad kevin kincaid here with us on birds 365 all right jeff Kerr, jody mcdonald we got to come back put a ball on the show here on birds Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, mama! mama. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Coming down a home stretch of a week on him, Birds 365. Jeff Curran for Johnny Mac today. Jody Mac with you. Uh, John McMullen is probably now uh, already arrived at the Novacare Complex. Uh, Coordinator is going to be made available today. See if any players are. Uh, the media guys are going to be allowed in to watch drills. Don't know if you can even call it a practice, but Eagle drills today. Uh, so McMullen surely will be reporting on that on jacobsports.com. You see the address there for the new Jacob Media website, jacobsports.com. Johnny Mack will be putting stuff up uh, there before the day is out, rest assured. Um, JK, when you knew the Eagles were going to get some workouts in before the week, but members of the media weren't necessarily going to be allowed in, and the only place if you wanted to get a peek to see the Eagles was go to philadelphiaeagles.com, which credit to the Eagles, they got some really nice video people working there who do a good job uh, uh, cutting, slicing, putting up their video. Um, you know it has a purpose that it's to make the Eagles look good. Uh, it is the PhiladelphiaEagles.com, but they did give you a pretty good look at the uh, Eagles and things they were doing. It, I called it the hype video uh, the other day here on Birds 365, which is what it was. Um, as long as you keep it in its proper perspective, it's a good thing, and it's an enjoyable, if you're an Eagle fan, uh, just put out this codicil that uh, last year, Maybe the most memorable video of all camp was the one-handed catch by Jalen Rager, which was a thing of beauty. What did that lend itself to over the course of the regular season? Not a whole hell of a lot, uh, but that's why I say uh, take take the video that you intake with a bit of grain of salt. What do you think we're going to see with that, that we have a chance to get someone other than an Eagle employee's look at what's going on. What do you think we'll see here today? I think we're going to see anything A.J. Brown does today. I, I mean, honestly, I, I think you're going to see John McMullen with his, you know, iPhone. Be like, look what A.J. Brown just did. A.J. Brown makes like a slanted catch or something. We're going to the Super Bowl, that that type of thing. It's I, I still remember back in 2004, I, I went to every Eagles training camp practice. You know, I'm in high school you know, before football season started for me, and I just – Took pictures of D.O. That's all I did all, all day, all day long. It's look what D.O. did. D.O. came out with no shirt on, you know, stupid stuff. It's because people wanted that. People wanted the content. And I think that's what it's going to be. I think if A.J. Brown was the prized offseason signing, that's the number one wide receiver everybody wants. And 
hopefully A.J. Brown puts on a good show, make, makes a couple one-handed grabs, but you know, Jalen Rager made a one-handed grab. He made a couple one-handed grabs last year. Didn't bode out well. Agreed. Uh, all right, hey, uh, Porter, we'll probably need you one day next week. McMullen will be called down to uh, do the work at the Eagles training camp, uh, So, uh, and the Eagles don't decide that until 24 hours ahead of time. Yeah, so they, we'd they, love they, to book they, you they, now, they, but we can't book you now, so – Basically, keep next week available open if you can for us, buddy. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, before I go down to Vegas and absolutely bomb at Nationals because I'm not bowling too well. So, yeah, it's definitely um, – I'll definitely be on next When week. are you leaving for Vegas? When do I leave? I leave not this – the next Monday uh, – whatever day Monday is. Hold on. Uh, I have a calendar. 13. Well, do you do you tweet on your uh, road trips that you're going on? Should everybody be checking your Twitter so they know exactly where you will be on uh, either I, a bowling competition and or vacay? I tweet pictures of my food. That's what okay. I tweet. All right. You need <laughs> more pictures of Jeff uh, Kerr's food. Follow him on Twitter. All right, uh, Jeffrey, great job today. Thank you very much. Appreciate whenever you fill in for Johnny Mac. Always, but Jody, will I be hearing you this week with Glenn? Um, you will on Saturday. Uh, okay. Yes, Glenn and I will be doing the show together on Saturday. So feel free to tune into WIP on Saturday and then Saturday and Sunday, Mac Saturday and night back. on CBS and Sunday afternoon on CBS as well. Mac and Mac back. I love it. You got it. And then uh, Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald will be back here Monday on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.